0: The Devil Are You this week. It's episode 28 of the Two Shot Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. I need to apologise if I sound slightly croaky. Um, I've been doing quite a lot of talking this week. Um, we've been doing bits and bobs of uh, press and people being really nice about the Two Shot Podcast. And I'm thrilled. It's, it, it's really incredible, if a slightly overwhelming feeling. Um... Yeah, it's episode 28. We have Dave Scott, better known as our kid, this week. He's a poet, spoken word artist. Uh, We're very lucky to have him on. We met him in the Great Zifferblatt in Edge Street. They were very kind to us, gave us a lovely room at the back. And um, we get to have a brilliant chat with Dave, and he very, very kindly performed two poems. So we're bookending the episode with some work, by our kid. A great poem at the beginning. A little chat. great poem at the end. I think you're going to like this. It's a bit of a break from the norm. But it is quite a perfect episode. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, I've got to tell you. We're all sorted. 8th of February. We are at the Baltic Social. That's 27 Parliament Street in Liverpool. For the first two-shot podcast live. You could be there. Sat down having a guest. Well, we have got what? Well, we're at Here's the thing. We've got two guests, okay? I've got somebody who's basically opening for us. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's very exciting. And our guest, which is going to be recorded as an episode, if you can't make it down to Liverpool or up to Liverpool or across Liverpool, wherever you live, it will be recorded and be played out as a normal episode at some point. But it's with the fabulous Ingrid Oliver, Um, We managed to make dates work and she's getting on the train from London. Um, So thrilled. Big shout out to Ingrid for coming up for our first ever Two Shot Podcast live. Um, Details are on the Facebook and Twitter page. So, yeah, get yourself along. It starts at about seven. I'd get there for about half six. Get yourself a pot of tea or a chosen beverage of your choice. And we'll have a good night, shall we? So, this is episode 28 with Dave Scott, better known as our kid. Enjoy, and I'll see you at the end. Welcome to this week's episode. Now, normally, you know what it's like, we just start the nattering, but because we've got uh, a different guest this week, I thought I'd do a little different introduction. I'm now going to hand you over to a poet... Known locally in Manchester as our
1: kid. This one's called Not So Northern Quarter. The Northern Quarter, it ain't what it ought to be. Six quid a pint and half that for water, see. The Northern Quarter was always bricks and mortar, the type of place you'd never bring your daughter. Streets frequented by hookers and curb crawlers. It's the place you go for your mucky mag shops. And your magic mushrooms, where backy fags got dropped under magic bus fumes. It was a kaleidoscope of fantastic loons. But then the norm of a quarter got a bit weird and people stopped wearing socks and they started growing beards and tattoos weren't taboo, they were a badge warm of honour. Chip butties are through. I'll have five falafels and a donna. These streets that were painted by L.S. Lowry have been diluted by the Castor of and now it's top knots and tight tops and flip-flops. It's all got a little bit on top. The northern quarter, as seedy as it seemed, it was always northern, and that was a quarter of what it had been. Thank you. There we go.
0: What a way to start this episode. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for that. Can I call you Dave? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, please, please, please do. <laughs> Let me introduce him properly. This is Dave Scott, uh, a, a local poet, I would say, uh, known very well in Manchester as our kid um how are you
1: yeah good, good. Yeah. yeah thanks a lot for having me on thanks I'm looking for to coming on, on man this.
0: no it's brilliant because you know this year what we're doing we're of course we're carrying on talking to actors and stuff but i just wanted to open it out there uh, for more creative people for you to come on and all the people to come on to go hopefully inspire other people to yeah. get off their asses. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: took much. me long enough to be honest <laughs> <laughs> tell me about that was whereabouts did you grow up uh, grew up in South Manchester, so Longsight originally, and then an area called Levenshulme. I drove through Longsight last night. The traffic, Fast. traffic, traffic, it. Was, traffic well, the traffic was terrible. It yeah, was actually yeah. slow, but yeah. it was peak time. Yes. Yeah, It's a working-class area, so I grew up in like a Irish community and stuff. So a lot of storytellers and stuff. But I was more of a piss artist than a poet. Uh, So then (laughs) (laughs) um, it took me like 32 years to try. I've been writing poetry for ages, and then trying to get the confidence. uh, And then through the my love of alcohol led to my love of poetry, and I got dared to go on an open mic night. And then from there, it's just sort of snowballed. Well, let's
0: go back on that. What did your parents do for a living?
1: Um, they're still working now. So, my mum works for the NHS. She's like a um, office manager. And my dad's a transport director. So uh, she's
0: got a tough job at the moment. Hasn't yeah, she? yeah. Well,
1: the place she works at got privatised about two years ago. So, right. who she gets paid by is a bit confusing. But, um, yeah, so her job's been under it's uh, um, the word I'm looking for
0: pressure Be uh, yeah, under pressure isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> per, yeah pressure
1: but uh, she might be getting she's been threatening with redundancy for the last 2-3 years so uh, it's been a bit shit time mm.
0: um, and uh, yourself at home with your mum and dad brothers and sisters
1: yeah I've got uh, one younger brother who's 25 uh, my younger sister is 35 as well so he's doing a 10 year gap um, but a
0: close family. Yeah, up.
1: yeah, very close. Uh, Christmas Day was amazing. Um, we all get together in Mum's house, it's quite small, but she's like an open door and half four in the morning, I think the last person left after <laughs> after raving on the Christmas dinner table having Sambuca and tequila. I, I, was, I was written off till New Year's Day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and growing up, what was school like for you?
1: Were school you academic was- or...? No, nobody was academic in my school. Uh, <laughs> well, we, what school do you go to? A uh, school called, it was called Hay. It's closed now. Um, was it alongside? Uh, it's in Gorton. So right. alongside Levensham, Gorton are quite uh, close areas. Um, but the year I finished Hay, we finished second in the league tables of people who didn't get any GCSEs. So we were second top worst school in the country when we graduated but bad, we had one one plus, yeah but we we had we, we had the most teen pregnancies so we won on some <laughs>
0: <laughs> and did you get on at school did you have was it more a social thing for you than anything else
1: yeah it was like a glorified, it was like a youth club more than more, more than it was a school uh aside from the english teacher and I suppose sports where i got my sort of love for writing um
0: oh so that started when you were young
1: yeah definitely uh like so I can always say, I, I'm I'm not a poet, I'm just a, a musician who can't sing or play guitar, so I've always been writing lyrics, but it started from when I was about 12 years old. There was a teacher called Miss Evans, and she was really... She just gave a shit, do you know what I mean? It makes such a difference when you've got a teacher. The rest of them would seem to be there just for a paycheck, and just it was more like wardens just keeping us off the streets for, for six hours a day.
0: Yeah, it makes a massive difference when... Somebody says, do you know what? You've you know, got a bit of a talent there. You should, you should nurture. We should nurture this together, and let's try and work it through instead of uh, the authority slapping the authority on the kids, and then that just beats them down. Doesn't really do anything for them, does it?
1: No, not at all. Uh, and that's, I, I'm, I'm really lucky that I sort of found that in a teacher because I've got so many mates that went through the similar school system, and they've gone like prison, uh, life of crime, or just to dead end jobs and stuff. But it's, it's, it's good that she sort of latched onto. My talent. As it were
0: you worried at all that that was going to be a path you were going to go down at
1: all? It was... Uh, there's been a couple of close calls, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest with you. There have been times where I've uh, found myself in back of police vans or whatever. For, 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 and, to be honest, not through no fault of my own, but just because of the circle you sort of run with yeah. and people were doing certain things and it arrested a lot of people altogether. So it got to the point where... I was sat in the back of a police van and I just said, I can't be doing this shit anymore. And I just had to sort of break ties with a lot, with a lot of people uh, because they had made their mind up that they want their life to live a certain way. I took a step back and then um, just went traveling. So I went around uh, India and around the world.
0: What age were you when you did
1: this? Uh, first I had DJing in Greece, so I was like 20, 21, went on uh, a holiday and I just said, I can't be asked going back and then just from there went DJ. I've never dj in my life but um, you, you, don't, you, you don't know until you try do you <laughs> <laughs> that's it isn't it well that's yeah.
0: actually uh, a sensible phrase isn't it you don't know until you try so you don't know anything and uh, like you say you were <laughs> messing about with lyrics at school but you probably didn't. did you ever read those lyrics to anybody or
1: god no I've, no. F- I've actually found them in the loft because uh, I moved house recently and I've got a boxes of books oh, and you kept them i've kept them yes they, they will never see the light of day uh, unless i get an archive or something like that. <laughs> yeah. and I've, I've, I've long been dead but there's uh, there's some girls who don't come off very well in the poetry when i was a i was definitely a virgin let's put it that way
0: Well, look <laughs> you have to have a, a vessel to vent <laughs> yeah don't you? and that was your way so um when you were traveling around what did you want to, what were you trying to achieve you just wanted to be a bit freer from the area or try and find yourself work out who you are
1: I, um, I don't want to say find myself because it sounds quite very hippie and I met a lot of people on the similar sort of backpacker route that, of were, did, yeah. that were doing the sort of whole finding themselves and you talk about the experiences and a lot of them were middle class kids who were just trying to get away from mummy and daddy and I wasn't one of them but it was more, um, I tried it on several occasions to try, but you're escaping yourself I found and it's just, I wasn't really comfortable in my own sort of skin and what I was doing in life and that's why every time i go away I'd come back and I'd still feel the same so it wasn't what I was searching for I was never in any foreign country as such. But yeah. I've come back and it's because I wasn't doing anything that. Uh, it was the writing side of it, to be honest. And that's.
0: She felt like, obviously, maybe you didn't know at the time, but you weren't achieving your full potential, really.
1: Yeah, but I don't want that to sound arrogant. No, do you no, 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 know no. what I mean? That's I, a,
0: look, I don't think it does sound arrogant because I was talking to somebody the other day and. We we're actually, it was an actor and we we're talking about drama school and what age is right. What well, it is right for you to go there, to, to get all this, to, to be open to all this knowledge. And and I was saying to her, well, you know, in a way I went when I was 18, not that I regret it, but I, I think I probably was too young because I didn't know who I was as a person. Sure. I don't want that to sound wanky, but you don't know who you are. Because no, no. Because you're forever, especially when kids come into your life, you go, oh, God, all right, okay, well, this is who I am now. and So no, I don't think it does come across as arrogant at all. Um... I totally went off-road, and I don't know where we were. Where were we? Um, You are... How long were you travelling for,
1: then? Uh, Two years we were travelling. And then uh, Mrs... um, From what age? Mother got ill. So uh, I was on my own for about six, seven months. Uh, Then I came back to England, and then um, met my wife. Uh, And then she got laid off, and then we decided, just let's go, let's go back out. So I went to India and Indonesia. So between the ages of 22 to 24, I think. Right,
0: okay. Um, and you said, "Your mum got ill."
1: Uh, not my mum, my, my, oh. my, my, my wife's uh, mum at the time, and she right. unfortunately passed away. But um, so I don't know where, if that had happened, we had visas to go and live in New Zealand and Australia and stuff. So I don't know where life would have sort of taken us if that had happened.
0: So you come back, and what? Because you, you, you're obviously not working at the moment. You didn't have a job at that time, did you? Because no, you were travelling. So what, what? What were you thinking of doing when you come
1: back? Uh, I don't know. I've always been really good in job interviews.
0: Tell me about some of your job interviews. Uh, or
1: tell this, me about
0: some of your jobs.
1: My, if I, well, I'm hoping never to go into actually a full-time career anymore, so this might be, oh, open a few eyes to people who've hired <laughs> me in the past, but my CV would be fucking huge. It's just I've been a, a butcher, a baker, not a candlestick maker, <laughs> uh, but I've worked at call centres, advertising agencies, uh, sports shops, sort of saying, to Griff off air. Um, what else have I worked there? I've been a chef. Uh, bartender, DJ, um, dancer. Uh, a dancer? A poet, yeah, really, really fucking bad dancer. What, it? like in a
0: nightclub dancer? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was very short lived. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't hiring people with two left feet.
0: Look, bills have to be paid. Dave.
1: Yeah. But it, it wasn't so much that I had bills to be paid. I was always, I got bored really easy. And I was listening to um, the podcast the other day that he did of the lad out of This Is England. Uh, what would that be Tomo it wasn't Tom it was Joe a job about his ADHD mm. and I've never been diagnosed or anything like that but it wouldn't be too surprising if that was the case because I could never stay still in a job because it was just boring and me and my dad are like chalk and cheese whereas he's quite you need a job and you're, you're very lucky to have a job like proper old school mentality and I'm yeah. like that well, fuck that, you know, you, know you, get, you only have one life to live. I don't really want to spend it being told by certain people that you should live and you should act in a certain way. And for me, it just seemed to be completely against my nature. Or to do a job that was unfulfilling for you. Yeah. So did you have any path? Did you? Were you
0: still knocking about with lyrics and messing about at this point?
1: Yeah, lyrics have always been, um, since since about the age of 10, I can remember, 10, 12, I can remember just been writing uh, poems or songs. I was really big into, when I first started going to school, you had, like, the likes of Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre first, like, broke through, so hip-hop was, like, its golden moment, I suppose. It was a big state. influence for you. Oh, I'm yeah, like yeah, ridiculously so, and um, not because I was living any life that's similar to West Coast America, but there were, sort of, similarities in terms of gang culture, especially in South Manchester, you had the Moss stuff that was going on, yeah. and... Um, uh, I knew a few people who got caught up and killed through through the gang stuff. So you could see uh, similarities in lifestyles. And it was just... It's the storytelling that I always find fascinating. Um, I was having a conversation with a few poets over a week, and they were saying that poetry is like a, a shot glass, whereas novels are like... Um, Pints of lager that you can you can mull over. Now I sort of try and straddle between the two because I love that that I love telling stories and creating an image rather than just doing sort of haikus just for the sake of being artsy and fartsy, And that's why I don't really get on well with many po- <laughs> poets. To be honest, yeah, obviously you meet a lot. I don't. But- I, um, to be honest, uh, I don't really get welcomed into the circle because the way I've sort of come into it, it hasn't been through the usual way. I, I guess. Well, let's let's. Let's talk about that.
0: Do you know, who was the first person that you mustered up the courage to read, to let them read your lyrics, or you perform a poet to?
1: Um, my lyrics, it used to be... So we'd go out on a night out with all the lads with the intent of trying to find a lady by the end of the night. I'd say a lady. i loose the term. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they'd all be on the dance floor busting some moves... And then I'd be I'd, I'd be in the corner with my mobile phone and just be writing lyrics, and I'd, I'd make my way to the middle of the dance floor and show my mates, and they'd be like, "Just piss off, Dave, with your lyrics and stuff like that." And a lot of them were, were shy, but it was just I have a certain circle of friends now that I'll always sort of just throw one lines here or there. And the way I write, it's not I don't have any sort of set goal. I just write lines or a couple here and there, and then. They sort of form in my mind and then they sort of sit down and they, they put them together like a jigsaw. That's the way I sort of uh, write. But um, probably my wife now is probably the one when she's not looking after the kids. Is she, is she a harsh critic? Uh, no, she's... Well, usually in what I'm wearing and how my hair looks rather than anything <laughs> and, and and how I pronounce my words. She goes, you really sound dead common. I said, well, I am really common. So, you know? uh, I had a conversation with... Because I've been doing the work with the FA Cup for the uh, the trailers... And um, they said, don't pronounce your T's. I said, really? I said, my wife always says that I should pronounce t, t-. And then, like, uh, they said, no, no, you don't, sound, you don't sound right at all. So I went back and said, right, well, last time I asked you for advice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so what was the job that you were doing when you went, right, I've had enough of this, I've got to try and make a crack of, of uh, being a poet full time?
1: Uh, I was working in radio advertising and uh, funny enough there's a story that links to you because we were trying to get you I think you were doing Indian Summers at the time and right. i me and my wife were massive fans of that show and I gutted that it got, it got cancelled it, it did me?
0: after two series yeah
1: I was absolutely devastated Absolutely, I mean I imagine it was a huge budget to.
0: I think it was I don't really get involved in that I'm just mouth for hire you're very good in it by Bless you, yeah,
1: but uh, yeah, so we were huge fans of that. So we were looking for someone to do uh northern accent, I can't remember the name of the client or anything. Uh, and we were looking for you to do the voiceover for oh, it, yeah. Uh, and I think it, we, we tried to get in touch with your agent, and, and um, for one reason or another, it, it didn't uh, it, it didn't come off. But yeah, so I was doing like radio advertising, uh, and it just became a bit too cringe. And then, um, I said to Mo, we, We're expecting our second daughter, uh, I have three of them now. Um, hairlines slowly going. Busy worker, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I says, my wife said, I'm, I'm doing something with these lyrics now because if I don't, we're gonna have two kids in, and I'm gonna be stuck. And I can't I, because you get to that stage where you have got so many people, people depending on you bringing in the money. You don't have, you didn't have the luxury to sort of be able to jump between jobs. And I suppose that's what my dad said when, because he had me when he was, my mum had me when they was quite young. He didn't have the luxury to be able to jump around for jobs. But it's like I said, when you have kids you understand more about who you are in that sense. So yeah. I said to my wife, I said, right, I'm going to book a Fringe gig. I'm going to stand up in front of people and read my poems. First time I've ever done it. So where are where you, you going to book? Uh, but so I booked Joshua Brooks at Manchester Fringe Festival, having right. never done anything like that, that before. So then I thought, right, well, how can I really challenge myself? And at this point, not many people knew that I was a poet as such or that I wrote these lyrics. So I said, right, I'm going to invite every person that I know from South Manchester, I'm going to fill that room because they'll all, if I'm shit, they'll tell me I'm <laughs> shit and then I can lay it to rest. Yeah. And the weeks leading up to the gig, the abuse I was getting of my friends were like, I hope you fall on your ass. I'm going no, to take the piss out of you. Yeah, oh, re- really did. I'm, I'm going to royally ruin you for the rest of your life. Well, like, it, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's how it is up here. That's the pork. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, yeah, but most of them were like, I, we didn't know you did did any of this, and I said, Well, let's see how the gig goes. So we went, uh, did the gig. Did you feel it? Did you fill yeah, yeah, feel it? Yeah, 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 it was sold out. So, was, how many people were there? 120 people, oh my and I think God. there was four of them that I didn't know. So, what were you feeling
0: like just the moment just before you went on stage for the first time?
1: Uh, your sh- heart
0: must have been pumping you 10 said, to Yeah, dozen. And
1: I, I get nervous now thinking about it. It was, um, shit in it, absolutely, yeah. Terrified, because uh, Joshua Brooks is quite an intimate venue and they don't have a green room as such, so I was stood at the back and I just kept seeing these faces and I was like, I didn't know he invited them. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of my poetry is quite um, biographical, autobiographical, or, or if not stories about people that I know, so there was content in the poem.
0: And certainly the areas around yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: so there was things that people could attach to, so... I was talking about people in the audience and the poems that I was. Uh, I was like, oh, and then I killed it. It was. It, it went like amazing. Um, not to blow my own trumpet, but yeah. So I came out and. Were you just buzzing at the end? I was more. I was. I was relieved because not one of them could take the piss out of me, and they were They were all gutted. <laughs> not one of them bought me a pint afterwards. They were. They were, they were all because they were that upset that they couldn't um, wind me up, but they were saying, well, why? Have you, why we waited so long to. To come out and do this, and it was very much like um, a, not not like like a sexuality coming out. The, do you know what I mean? Like, where like this is because when you're, I don't know your background, but when you're doing sort of art, arty stuff in a working class area, it's very well. You just it's not I mean, the it's it, not the done thing. Well, no, because you just get
0: the piss taken out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when I wanted to be an actor when I was at school, I think I was one of the only lads that kind of took it seriously. Yeah. The, uh, you get called all sorts, but you just have to brush it off. And it's very hard at that age when you're younger, but I suppose when you're older and you know who you are and you've, you have got a solid group of friends around you, even though they are northerners they? and they're going to take the piss, <laughs> yeah. but at the end of the day, they do support you. Um, so what was the next step?
1: Uh, so from there, uh, National Poetry Day came up and then I did a poem called Nana Calls Me Cock, which sort of broke down... Mancunian colloquialisms and dialects and stuff. Manchester even News got hold of it, uh, and then it did, like, 300,000 views in a week. And I was like, oh... And I was getting recognised in places, and it was just it was really random. So I turned around to my wife and I said, I'm going to quit. She goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be a poet. And my, all my mates again said, what are you doing? I said, well, if I don't go for it, she goes, well, what should, you, you can't just be a poet. What, how are you going to bring money in? I said, I don't know. I said, we'll work that out. So it was just a complete uh, leap of faith. I had a bit of savings, uh, not enough in hindsight because it was, a, it was. I left my job in November and I'm pretty sure the acting world's similar. It's quiet months, aren't they? November, November yeah, December, things, January.
0: Things shut down and then things take time to reopen and people need to get their head together.
1: Yeah, so it got to December and obviously Christmas came, all my savings. Went on Christmas presents. He got to January. I was looking for postman jobs because there was no work coming in. Really? So yeah, so I was thinking, what the, what have I done? What sort of mistake have I made here? And then it just um, someone got in touch and said we'd like to commission you to do a poem. And then from there they said Christopher Eccleston's interested in reading the poem. So I was like, what now? Do you know, <laughs> it's just random. So okay, yeah. Uh, and then from there it just snowballed and the doors sort of opened. And did you go on stage, when you first went on
0: stage that time, were you just, were you just D- Dave Scott, or did you, how did the R-Kid come
1: about? Um, the R-Kid came about, it's, uh, yeah. it was my Twitter handle, but a lot of people put it down to, lazy journalism when they do it, because R-Kid is actually an Irish phrase, it's not actually an, an, a Mancunian phrase, because of the Oasis connotations with it. They think it's due to that, but it's not at all, and because I'm a huge hip-hop fan, there was a hip-hop group called Little Brother, now they were called they called themselves little brother to give a nod to the forefathers of hip hop. So they were part of the lineage for like uh, like Rakim and all them sort of artists. Now mine was a similar sort of thing. I'm like a wordsmith in a similar in a city that's full of wordsmiths, so I was like the younger brother because the likes of Morrissey, Guy Garvey and so on and so forth. For me were always people I looked up to in terms of lyrics, so our kid was always a younger one and that's where the sort of the, the, the name came from. But the stage persona, it's only when... I I'm, i don't know about yourself, but I get fucking really nervous before I go on stage. i like yeah, terrifying. I, yeah. I uh, walk around like a boxer, and that's what I treat performances like. It's like I build myself up, so it's like a, bit, a bit like a fight. Um, and then people said, oh, you're really confident on stage. I said, but you don't know in, inside... Like the back of my mind, I can hear the conversations going on between the back of my mind. I'm like, ah, shut up, do you, do you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and all the while, you're trying to keep this space. And I don't read. I don't read any of my work out. It's all like memorized. So I don't. I don't read. All, all
0: of it's memorized. All, all of
1: it. So you're talking uh, 15 poems, 15, 20 poems. Wow. Uh, yeah. So for 30, 40 minutes, you're having that com- conversation in, in, in your mind. Um, and when you're writing them down. Because obviously you write them down at first. Do you? Well, I don't no, no, I don't. So, um, uh, what's the process then? So the process is I'll I'll either get an idea from watching a film uh, or a song lyric, and then I'll twist that, and then I'll start writing that in my mind, and then there'll be something else. So I I, I tend to write a lot in my mind, and then put it all together. And then uh, this is because if I, if I started by writing them down, then I, I don't think I'd remember them. So what I do now is I write them all in my head to start with. And uh, a lot of my work quite lyrical, so I imagine a sort of beat in my mind. And that's a sort of and then I don't know, hook onto it. It sounds quite. I don't know what mental health experts. No no, no, no,
0: no, no. I think this is really, really interesting because so, what I was going back to when you were writing it down at school, then I was thinking, oh, if he writes them down, does he does he sit and memorize them? And then sort of lock him away in the back of his mind. But you do it all, and you edit and do it yeah, all around Yeah, yeah, do it all
1: in my mind, and then, and then um, once I've got the chunk of it, then I'll sit down. The, the actual writing process is like so the one Nana calls me cock. I wrote in about fifteen minutes. Uh, they'll, I'll tweak it here and there, but the, the bulk of it will all like be, be in my mind because I'll have that sort of beat, and that's what I hook onto. And my dad always takes a piss because he says, "Why do you? Why do you like?" Because I don't rock, but you know, do no, you know but how about it's, your eight... Well, it's a
0: bit like um, when a musician's writing or um, musician's singing, and they're tapping their feet. I suppose you've got that constant beat.
1: Yeah, so yeah. I, can, I can hear the beat, but nobody else can hear the beat. In, but but they can hear the beat in the words. Is that because a lot of people listen to my stuff? So it is quite sort of lyrical. Um, yeah, so that's how that, that's how I tend to to write. And how old are your kids? Uh, five. Uh, Romy's two in two weeks. And youngest is ten weeks old. Oh my god! Yeah, amazing, beautiful, beautiful children.
0: Uh, and do you do you perform for your five year old? Yeah. Is uh, he, 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 he aware of what you do? Uh,
1: she. She's, oh, I'm, she. Yeah, yeah. It's for uh, Maya. Yeah. Oh, she's. Um, she will be an actress. Like you, you must know yourself when you've seen people who, who actually sort of made for. I've got a six year old. Yeah, yeah, I'm with yeah. You. yeah. So, she, yeah, <laughs> so she, 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 she's like. There's no airs and graces about her. Like uh, she's really confident and outgoing, and everyone who meets her says that she'll she'll definitely like she's made for TV or the stage or whatever. But yeah, so I walk around the house reciting my poetry anyway, and then uh, Maya jumps on and starts doing. I've, I've done like a cover version of. Do you know Bob? Are you a Bob Dylan fan? Uh, uh not particularly. No. Okay, so I've done, done like a, a cover version of like a say a cover version, but reworking of Bob Dylan's lyrics. And it's like uh, Johnny's in the cellar Bent wonders where the Stella went, and he's talking about this uh, drug dealer, but he doesn't mention drugs in the in the piece. Sure. And I turn round, and then my daughter's like, "Look out, son! Well, don't matter what you're doing." And then she starts, and I'm like, I, "But she'll tell me when I'm wrong." Is she, <laughs> yeah, she'll pull me up on it. She's worse than a mum. <laughs> that
0: is brilliant. She's already started to be creative. Yeah, of you.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I don't. I, don't I, I she's just.
0: It's just there. Isn't it's her? just
1: there, and what I want to make sure doesn't happen to her is that. Cause i i always was liking what I went through as a i had to have a learning i had to unlearn to give a fuck about what people thought because in, in what, in what because I think throughout time because uh, like i said you, you grow up in a certain area you're um you build up walls and barriers because you don't want to people to know what you do in an art, in an artistic point of view because and the more time so sort I of went on. I moved further and further away from having any confidence, so I had to learn to give a toss about what other people thought. Because because a lot of it's your own insecurities. It isn't what people think at all. It's of just it's what you actually interpret. So I don't want her to go up, grow up, and have the uh, any sort of self doubt. So I want to try and be to her what my English teacher was to me. And I, I teach a lot now as well. So going to schools. Oh, well, I was going to talk to you
0: about that. So I was going to talk to you about um, inspiration for children nowadays. You know because. The thing about being a, ch- a child, and we've spoken about this with other actors, is they're so free; they yeah. don't care. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not scared of, you know, stripping themselves naked and going, "This is this is what I feel," or
1: "This is what I've written." Obviously,
0: not literally, um, physically. What
1: uh, What do you do in schools? So um, my brief is pretty much all so young boys uh, from the age of ten to cut from then on lose interest in any sort of creative writing in the working class uh, uh, areas. So I go in and basically try and re-engage them with uh, poetry, or but just creative writing as well, because that, that's radio advertising, but I also write screenplays and stuff like that. So um, I go in and try and hook them back into, look, just because you've been taught. I, I think that we teach English or creative writing in a wrong way in many ways in schools, especially in the, with the curriculum, so I go in and I sort of say I'm a poet and you should see their faces straight away because I know what I would be like if if like oh we've got this poet coming in with his gladiol like you know you <laughs> expect Morrissey don't you in, yeah. certain, in in certain ways, and then I go in and I start doing stuff about crime or drugs or bad relationships and then I liken it to fishing because then you, you see the right you literally see, you see the moment where the light bulb and they go that's poetry, I said well what is poetry. Who who who, do, who who is it that defines what poetry is? And then they're like, "All oh, right." So then we break down Stormzy lyrics, Eminem, and then I show relationships between what Shakespeare was talking about to, to modern day uh, rappers and stuff. And then they're like, "All oh, right," because of them, because it's seen. It's it, I mean it's amazing. It's 2018, and poetry still seen as a huge as, as an elitist art form. I mean, even me now when I do this as a living, I I still sort of cringe when someone says you're a poet because I'm not too sure if it's a deserved t- uh, title what
0: for yourself for myself I yeah. think it is I, know, well, I, think it's, I think personally I think poetry comes in all different kinds of form and if you say as you say you go into these schools and you say oh, there's a poet coming in they've already got an immediate idea of what to expect and then you rock up and you're talking about the northern quarter and top knots. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going, yeah, I've been there, I know that person he's talking about. So you're relating it
1: to them. So it comes in all different forms nowadays. Yeah. And as you
0: say, you'll need to turn on the radio and it's there.
1: But, but because of the way the curriculum is based up with the school system, kids don't see that that, that is poetry. So they uh, detach themselves from it. And then that that's just seems to be more, and then, uh, okay, we can't write poetry, we can't write... Short stories, we can't paint, and that it's, it's through the whole sort of spectrum of like the the creative arts. I was reading an article in the Guardian the other day saying we're, we're failing creativity in, yeah. sc- in, in schools that yeah, and, yeah. Um, of the middle class. and it's, it's scandalous, really? So and I'm, I'm not like some revolutionary with a mission and stuff, but knowing that I've been through that path myself, and it took me to the age of thirty plus to actually get some balls to to, to do that, I think we're Doing a disservice to uh, the kids today by not encouraging them to do that, so that's what I try and do in schools.
0: And do you think things will change? Or think obviously things need to change? Do you? Uh, they, yeah, will? well,
1: they, they need they need to ch- add. Love a coffee, please. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, add um, just black. Uh, they. They need to change, they've needed to change for a long time. But like I said have I'm, you spoken
0: I'm, to the, the headmasters and the teachers in the schools when they've asked you in?
1: I speak to the teachers and I yeah, but they always feel that it's not their fault because they're taught that they're, of it comes it comes from above them. Yeah. Now unless I'm going to, me or people of my ilk are gonna get a dialogue with the people who set the curriculum, which I can never see happening, we've got to try and be Never cr- say never. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need to Reach for the top, and that's a good point. Yeah, I'm sort of contradicting myself there. You know, if you don't know, if you don't try, you never know exactly. Um, where was I? Yeah, but uh, it's it's a it needs to be done. We need we need we need to encourage because we we are losing a lot of arts, and especially when you look, especially in your world, the actors, there's a lot of things about. and I spoke to Steve Evans, he had a yeah, uh, the other day about this, and it's. The amount of working class actors, and I think Gary Oldman. There was an article with Gary Oldman in the there paper was. It that was the, fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was, he, I was
0: talking about it the other day.
1: Uh, he was saying about the lack of working class actors, and um, where where are they all now? Do you know, it's just
0: well, they're all there, but I think sometimes they're being uh, a brick walls being put up between them to say, "No, you can't do it," or "Who do you think you are?" You have got look at all the the upper to middle class actors. That's that's who's doing it. Well, it isn't no. actually, and anybody can do it because art's everywhere, drama's everywhere. you just need to look around and find it and just do it yeah. get together and do it um you know going back to your um your first poem that you read for us just now, I was thinking because as an actor a lot of a lot of what we do and a lot of how we started was to people watch. And if you're sat outside on a summer's day, especially around here where yeah, we yeah. are in the northern quarter at the moment, there's just a wealth of stories that are going past. You know, yeah. There's a couple having an argument there. There's a man just sat by himself. you just people watch watching. You, and as an actor, I just start picking up and start thinking about these people's lives. Do you do the same with that? Um, do you ever sit down and go, right, I'm going to just watch and see if I can build a story or build a poem? Would that be...
1: Yeah, definitely definitely. And um not with a not with a view to build a poem, but and I don't know if I... c I'm a no I'm a nosy bastard, but I'm always interested in other people's stories.
0: Yeah, me it's too. Like, it's like, I
1: know, I know we had this meeting today, but I'm, I was interested to talk more about, listen, hearing about what you've been up to around, right? do, do you know? Oh, no, that's
0: the thing. I don't do that on no. that with this podcast. <laughs> so
1: that's, you know, that's what I love about this podcast,
0: because I get to meet people I don't know, and I get to hear, even if I'm, I meet people I do know, I get to hear bits of stories about them that I didn't know. Yeah. And it's that thing about sitting down one-on-one with somebody for... You know, half an hour, forty-five minutes, an hour. You just, you just don't do it enough, do you? No, not at all. And especially make it all about that other person.
1: Yeah, so, so I'm, um, I'm, I'm always interested to talk, listening to people's stories and what, what, what they've been in because. And do you get inspiration from that? Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. And to the point where sometimes I have to ask because I made a mistake of mentioning certain things in the poetry from my family and stuff because a lot of it is quite. So, raw raw is a word that's usually mentioned when people describe my work. And I was talking about my mum and dad because um, my dad's. I did this poem called uh, "Beige Boy." Now, um, the audience can't see my skin or whatever. But I, uh, so, when I was growing up, I was called "Beige Boy" because I wasn't black or I wasn't white, and we didn't know where. My, my dad's sort of more olive skin than I am, but we didn't know where that came from because his brother and that was um, white. So my dad, for the best part of his life, didn't realise that his father, his biological father was Italian. But he came out like recently, so about four or five years ago. But my dad was like, well, you can't put that in a poem. I said, but dad, it's as much about my life as it is about yours. So yeah. I did this line... Um, the iPhone doesn't fall too far from the iPad. My identity struggles are the same as my dad, uh, because I went through a similar sort of thing. And I was called Beige Boy in school. That was what the, sc- the in primary school it, there was like kids who were black were black, and then kids who were white were white, and then, then Beige Boy. And that used to become my really. I, so so I, there was part. of me that I was going to use Beige Boy as I was my going to say uh, that could have yeah been your poet name yeah yeah. It? So that was that 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 was um, when I was thinking about it. But I don't the, the color beige doesn't sound very cool does it i suppose that's the worst color in the world it, isn't it really beige? is yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so nowadays if i am writing something that's similar to someone's life and they'll be very aware that it is then i have to i ask them would you mind if i use that as a form of inspiration or whatever but I'm, I'm, by and large most of them am like yeah please do well i'd, I'd love it to
0: it would have been funny if um you were called beige boiler because beige is like uh it's neither here nor there. No, it's, it's nothing, is it? No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, no. it's, it's yeah. It's yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and your work is kind of anything but. So yeah, it's it would a bit have like been, a postmodern. It, it would have been quite ironic, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever got into any grief or trouble or upset people with your work? Especially because I know that you lift things that can be quite personal sometimes. Do you ever, does it ever upset anybody or? Uh, do, you got, do, you know, do you know what, Dave? I wish you really hadn't have... Mentioned that or said that that was kind of personal.
1: Not really. It's um, it's usually the other the other side because I do a poem called Tearaways and that's about me and my friends when we were growing up. And um, like I said before, some of them went off on the, on the wrong side of the tracks. And like I've lost friends to to addiction. And then, uh, ironically enough, I got a letter from one of the lads who this poem's about, and he's in strange ways. I've not seen him for twelve years, and he sent me a letter saying I was in my cell or whatever the other day and I heard this voice because I'm getting interviewed on Granada uh, tonight and I looked up and there you are in this shitty yellow coat, which I think is a very nice yellow coat. Is, I've I, seen that coat. I've, it's a very nice coat. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, do, I do love my jackets. Uh, but yeah, so you want me a letter. goes, I've, I've started looking at your stuff. I don't know how he can look online in prison and stuff. But yeah, and he was like, it's amazing what you've been, what you've been writing and stuff. So I think they, it's nice that someone's telling their story. I think that, that, that's... Uh, that's it. When I go back home nowadays to Long everyone thinks because I've been working with United or I'm on telly that I have loads of money, and I haven't. Poetry doesn't pay fantastic, but everyone expects you to buy the round in, yeah. <laughs> in the bar. But you're at a stage where you're
0: earning a living?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I do about 400 different things. At had a meeting yesterday. Of, I, I didn't know poetry could lead down so many angles, like you're saying, this yourself. Well, t- tell me what... what... Avenues as it as it brought took you down so far. Okay, so I do the teaching side of it. Uh, and did they approach you about that? Um, yeah, it started with a youth centre that, that approached me, and then uh, I put the review of what they after a six week workshop, what the students had said, and then another another school got in touch with me, and then it sort of like snowballed. It's so
0: important. I think it's so brilliant. Yeah, you should, you, I think you need to travel all around the UK and start doing it. To be honest, well, I
1: do. I, I've been down as far as uh, South Birmingham. And you have to slow down your talk. But the Mancunian accent is yeah. just... Um, yes, yeah, so I've been as far south as Birmingham teaching. Uh, and it's a, it's the a same... It's a different city, same story. The kids feeling the same sort of stresses at home and they don't like poetry or... Expressing themselves in a sort of artistic way because it's seen as it's a weakness. I think some people see that. Well, it's like, the...
0: Do you know when the children Trump? Do you know when they do? Um, well, certainly, when I was younger, not so much now. When they do drama at school, and even you get the shy, retiring types in the corner. If they do a bit of drama, it brings it out in themselves, and maybe there's there's something in there that then that needs to be drawn out. So for you doing that for these kids, there might be that one person, and all of a sudden you light a fire in them and there they go you have been a massive inspiration to them and they need that I do think people the kids need that
1: yeah I mean I've everything to do the teaching is is uh, easily the the highlight of it and um, we had an instance there was a girl at a teenage she was a teenage uh, mum or she was students to be a teenage mum and then we went in teach uh, talk a bit about poetry or you should be able to write stuff and we ran a poetry competition for National Poetry Day and the work that she delivered I was in I'm nearly in tears now it's just the the trauma she was going through at home for being a teenage mom and she was having issues with an abusive boyfriend and it was like fuck do you know what I mean but yeah but she was thanks for showing me how to do you know and I I, I remember driving back up the M6 and the traffic was fucking appalling so I had a lot of time to sort of ponder it and it was just it was amazing it's, um, it's, I I don't do it for any other reason than uh you know just a lot of seeing that sort of spark in them and if it gives them a little bit of freedom away from the the shit and their lies it's uh...
0: imagine if you'd have had that when you were at school you'd have started earlier
1: i always think that but i don't i don't know who i would have been
0: exactly yeah it's um... Cause every, you know everything happens in time for a reason don't it Yeah. And, you know you had to go travelling you had to do Five hundred sixty-seven thousand different jobs
1: yeah. to work out. But that's what I mean now. Now I, I've got a wealth of material in the back of my, of my mind now for the, all them stories and, and and people that I've met, like cooking on the the River Trent on a canal boat. It was, you know, it's just. <laughs> I was gonna say you can. I was gonna say. I was gonna ask actually. <clears throat> do you ever
0: get blocks or worry about material? But I thought you've you've got a wealth of material all around you all the time. Uh, or, do you, I, or do you? Or do you ever get those blocks?
1: Not really. Uh, I'm I'm probably going to get one now. uh, (laughs) 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 Shit, what am I saying? I'm sorry. I'm like, damn you. Um, It's choosing what the right one is to write about. I I tend to juggle about 400 different ideas in my mind. I've got a gig coming up in two weeks and uh, I've been writing four different poems in my mind. from. And It's like a filing system in my mind. Like, we've got to concentrate on this, bring it to the front of the mind. And it's... um, no, I've been quite fortunate to answer the question, I suppose, in terms of material. Um, and do
0: you? Could you ever see yourself doing anything else?
1: Not now. I'm. I'm my wife says to me, I, get, "I take too much work on." And I said, "Because I said, well, I never believed. I always had confidence in my ability, but I never believed I get the opportunity to to do this as a living, to to do anything sort of." To make shit feel it, you. you know, do you know what I mean? That, that, that's the dream, isn't it? To yeah. end, or, or to do something you love. Yeah. Um, it's like my dad loves driving, and if, he get, if, he, if he's behind a car, he's the worst passenger in the world. But if he's driving, you know. Many dads he, are. Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, he used to be a taxi driver, he knows the best way to. <laughs> I say, it's changed a little bit around it. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so, so to have the job that you love is just, I feel it's really blessed. So... Because then, in a way, you never really work a day
0: in your life, do you?
1: No, no, I don't know. That's, the cli- that's just the cliche. Know, so, but but it's, I, it is I, for I think, a reason. I kind of think it's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I couldn't... I'm really precious about it. And I put everything... I put 110% into every single thing that I do. Um, a lot of the time, to the detriment where I don't really sleep or stuff, because I'm having that jumpy. Like, this morning, I was doing voiceover work for adverts in Sierra Leone at 6 o'clock this morning, which is <laughs> random. And because you... you Uh, write and edit and process all up
0: here, do you ever get to a point where you you do have trouble sleeping, where you can't switch your mind off because you're constantly thinking or you're jumbling, you you know, your head's like a bloody tumble dryer and you just full of um, words?
1: definitely. I I sleep four hours a night. and I mean, obviously with the kids as well, but it doesn't... um, And and I think the way I write... Sorry, excuse me. ..in my mind is a lot of the time because I, I don't get the opportunity to sit down in front of... I think I'd probably get writer's block if I, if I allocated time in the day. I'm going to write today. It's between the hours of four <sighs> and six. I can just imagine me sat there and nothing, all, had no, 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 nothing had come out. But because I'm always on the move and stuff like that and uh, with the kids and dri- driving as well, it's like if anyone pulls alongside me in the really battered Mazda, they'll see me like I'll be bouncing. There'll be no music if I, I, I start do a lot of writing in the car. Not, uh, not literal writing. And how did the uh,
0: the football stuff come about? Did they, was, was that, again, would they approach you?
1: Yeah. Um, so that came after the Christopher Eccleston, I did that poem called Manchester Brawling. So what did
0: Christopher Eccleston do for you? Just go back on that.
1: So there was a poem called Manchester Brawling that I was commissioned to write for um, a redevelopment in, in Manchester. Uh, and then the agency got in touch and said, right, well, somehow Christopher Eccleston's seen it and uh, we'd like him to read it. I was like, all right, okay, fine, you don't want my voiceover, but you're know, Christopher Eccleston's. Now, there's two versions online, and I'm not going to do a disservice to Mr Eccleston. I wouldn't want to. Uh, but, yeah, uh, people prefer my version, and it'd be more authentic, my cue, yeah.
0: Listeners, you can go check out
1: yourselves, be your own judge, we're not here. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but <clears throat> uh he gave me a lot of advice in terms of because you were 18, did you say, when you first started? Yeah. So when you got your first break?
0: of When I left, 21.
1: Well, OK. So, and it feels, it's like a weird world, isn't it? I, I kept expecting someone to tap me on the shoulder and kick me out of the club. And Chris Beckland said, well, no, well, that's I was like that for 20 years. It's like imposter syndrome, I think a friend of mine referred to it.
0: Well, yeah, 100%. That never kind of... That <laughs> leaves you no, you, you, no, you, con- no. you do constantly feel like that, yeah, so. because it's it's um certainly you know from where I am first day of school all the time for every new job
1: yeah definitely um yeah, so it was, it was sort of reassuring I was thinking of such an esteem actor as him, if he felt that for that long, then it's a natural sort of feeling and I speak to Steve and it's exactly the same, and I'm sort of going off on a tangent, but the more people you meet, it's like when I used to see you in Indian summers. Wow, and I'm not doing you a disservice in person, but you, do you know what I mean? There's sort of sort of magic, but you sort of, when you, when you sort of cross over our mutual friend Wendy, we were talking. It's like a Hogwarts when you cross over, like the Mudbloods and the people who are in the art world and stuff. You you feel like you've been accepted into a club, and you see the mechanics about how it works, and everyone's everyone is human. But until you actually make that cross that divide, I don't know if I'm making sense. No, you are. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and now it's like, oh, right, there's Sean Ryder. Oh, Sean Ryder's a, you know, a decent... You know, he, he's a sound bloke, and that's... Everybody, But well, up until you get that opportunity, you sort of feel distanced and undeserved. I uh, suppose you, cause
0: you you look up to these people and you put them on a pedestal, and then when you you get to meet them or work with them, you go, oh, right, well, they're just human, and they've got insecurities just like me, and it doesn't matter where they come from.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, and then, so, to be working with Man United the first time... Um, to walk around Old Trafford on your own, and it's like, wow. And it's like, it's like the Wizard of Oz. So you know when you, when they realise the Wizards just all a big con. Yeah. And that's what it was like, because you sort of go, not that Old Trafford's a con or if, but you know, you, you see that it's all right. You, you, see, you, the
0: you see the mechanics You see the mechanics, And it's
1: like, it, it, in many ways, it sort of took the magic away from match days for me. And I go with my, my brother, because we've got season six, and he, he, he so I still love it, but I know how many People mow that lawn on a daily basis because I've been in the. And I know I've been in like the dressing rooms and stuff, and it's um it's a different sort of twist. And a friend of mine always said, don't ever study English literature if you enjoy reading, because what'll happen is they'll teach you how people write and the skills. So from then on. You're always looking for the techniques that you're they're using when they're writing. It sort of takes, it demystifies it. I wonder if that's the same in acting actually.
0: It can be because a little you, bit. Do yeah. you pick
1: up on certain Oh the well, so- gone for that
0: way because Well sometimes it's hard um to watch a film, especially if you know the area very well or you know the city and say you'll have two people walking around and they're talking and then they'll turn a corner and all of a sudden and it looks seamless on the screen, you go no, 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 no. Because if they'd have walked left oh, there, yeah. they'd have gone <laughs> to <onto> that street. <laughs> yeah, we know yeah. that. And things like that kind of annoy you. Because, uh, you know, you know the mechanics of, of editing and all that. But uh, you have to try and turn your, your brain off.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by Zifferblatt. What's, what's Craig? What are you talking about? What is Zifferblatt? I'm going to tell you. You probably haven't heard of it, have you? It's a pay-per-minute sitting room and you pay eight pence per minute and everything else is free. Trust me, you go in there, you've got tea, coffee, cake, breakfast, brownies, toasties, cookies, Wi-Fi, they've got loads of other snacks. There's couches there, there's board games. And what look, what it is, it's an alternative to a co-working space or a cafe. So if you've got meetings, you've got work to do, just go there. And the great thing is they've got a cap. If you're there for four hours, you don't pay anything else. You could stay there all day if you want. Trust me, I have done. And also, if you're a student, you get 25% off with your valid student card. Another little tasty treat. If you're a Two Shot Pod listener and you quote Ziffer, Z-I-F-E-R, Two Shot, and then the numbers 241, that's Ziffer, Two Shot, 241, it's buy one, get one free. You go bring you mate for free. Try it out today. That discount is valid till the end of March. A huge thank you to Zifferblatt. And if you're in Manchester, Edge Street in the Northern Quarter, pop there. If you're in Media City, it's at the Tomorrow Building, go there. If you're in Liverpool, St Paul's Square, get yourself over. Use Zifferblatt. Sponsors of this week's Two Shot Podcast. Cheers, guys. Do you feel your confidence is getting stronger? And I don't mean in an arrogant way. Do you think you're... Because, you know, as actors, there's a lot of rejection. You have to, you know... As a good mate of mine says, you have to put on your suit of armour because you're going to get a lot of knocks. So you have to build up the confidence, but make sure it doesn't stretch into the arrogance. Do you feel you're you're getting stronger as an artist?
1: Definitely. I'm I'm definitely getting thicker-skinned. Um mm. It's been, like I said, it's been a, it's been a long road to to get here. Now, so I'll always try and stay humble in what, um, what, that that I've got the opportunity to do. That, but yeah, uh, I don't know if, if if artists generally have a sort of a confidence issue uh, in terms of when the first, when you put anything out there. It's like I'm doing stuff to music nowadays uh, that's to be to be released this year, and I'm nervous as hell about doing that because it might bomb. But then partners like. That, Ah, well, you know, but you've, <laughs> got,
0: you've got to try, you've if, got, yeah, yeah. otherwise, you don't know, do you?
1: No, not at all. And I always wrote lyric, written lyrics for my own personal enjoyment, and I like the music that goes. And, and that's to this day, I don't, I don't do it for any other reason because if, if I find if I enjoy it and other people touch onto it, then that's great. But as long as the focal point is that I'm writing for me as an audience then I can't do any wrong because I'm, I am don't have to justify it by anybody else. Is that it's what you standard. do? You do
0: right for yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It has to make me laugh or it has to make me sort of ponder on certain things. So I surprise myself sometimes into, like, uh, some of the words that come out with. I'm like, oh, right, shit, that's quite profound for you. But yeah, yeah, so I just right for myself all the time. And
0: just to sort of end it all, do you, and I've never really done this, but I think it's kind of apt... If there's anybody out there listening who is tinkering about, or they've got a book and they've jotting the lyrics down, what would be something, a word of advice or something you would say to them?
1: Um, if why, maybe, well,
0: maybe if they're nervous about reading it to somebody or...
1: um, Well, why not put it out there? Uh, it's, I mean, a lot of people that I speak to don't, don't write for the reason that they're to, to actually broadcast it to an audience and a lot of they do it just just for just for self-expression but if you are wanting to put work out there just do it and I, I know it sounds quite uh, easy for me to say but I've been in that' I've been in that position and um I'm in many ways a testament that if you just put something out there that you don't know what doors are going to open f- from that uh, or drop me a line man I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a bit of uh, advice
0: there you go you heard You're a long way from Joshua Brooks now. Okay. Thank you so much, man. Just before you go, would you do me a massive favour? Sure. Would you just... Any, any piece from your choosing from your head, I'd love to hear something else.
1: OK, cool. Uh, this is, I'm going to do This Is England. This is England. This disunited this kingdom. Home of the have-nots and home of the have-lots. Where you can be born with a head start in life or into a headlock. Where we have the greatest educational institutes on the planet, but far too many of us are going to the school of hard knocks. Where we have no alternative for leadership than to wait on a false labour or be choked to death by the conservatives. And meanwhile, our doctors and nurses that stop us riding in hearses are working more and paid less in this eaten mess of an NHS. And our tricky media do their best to villainise the vulnerable. At what point is someone going to criminalise the culpable? Because there are more than frauds and thieves on Benefit Street, like Miggity Mr. Banker that sits high in a canary tower, whilst under his perch, million search for contracts with zero hours. And I'm lucky, because I can still get cash from machines, but these days people do go into banks to get potatoes and beans, and it's obscene that this is England, this dis-united this kingdom... We haven't got a gap in our society. What we've got is a gulf, streets upon streets upon streets of lost sheep being herded by wolves. Thank you.
0: That's a perfect way to end it. Dave Scott, thank you so much, man, for being on. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Loved it, man. That was great. Thanks a lot. Cheers, man.
0: Cheers. And that is episode 28 done. A big thank you. Today for coming on and taking time I know he's a busy guy Um, and I love that I was just in awe of him and I know Griff was as well also we had a lovely lad helping us out this week, he was helping Griff with all the cables, his name is Max a big shout out, and thanks so much for your help Uh, it's not a regular thing we don't do a lot of work experience but Max came with us to Zifferblatt in Edge Street and helped us out, so that is it Until next week, you know where to find us at 2 Shot Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. 2 Pod at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line. And thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm going to go and have a gargle with something for my voice so it's better for next week. All right, take care. I've been Craig Parkinson. He has been producer Griff. And this has been the 2Shot Podcast. Take care. I'll see you soon.